Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast. My name is Eli Hoff, and I'm the Mizzou sports beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. I'm joined today once again by my colleague Ben Fredrickson, one of our fantastic columnists. Ben, you, you managed to get off easy next week. I hear you were you were caught up in some meetings in Nashville. There were birds involved, and and I think somebody was was you know trading something. So I, I hope your your hunting and gathering over there in, in Tennessee was a uh, was fruitful for you. But welcome back to the podcast. And and how was your how was your adventure in the baseball world? Baseball winter meetings were strong. Um, a lot of sitting around waiting on uh, figuring out where Shohei Otani was going to go. Not that I was working on figuring that out. I was trying to trying to figure out uh, what the Cardinals were. We're not doing, but uh, you know, it's 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 kind of the unofficial start of of baseball season, and it happens to kind of coincide with what is an interesting time for Mizzou. It's been a while. I I, I don't mean to de disrespectful um, to previous bowl games Mizzou has played in recently, but it's been a while since a bowl game for the Tigers has had this kind of interest. And it's been a while since I was heading to winter meetings, you know, eagerly checking my phone to figure out which bowl game the Tigers were, were going to be in. I think it's being reflected in ticket sales. Um, Sure. Sounds like it's one of the hotter secondary market ones. Um, just this is very small sample size uh, anecdotal evidence, but I think my I have a family member who's trying to get to go to the game and trying to fly out of Kansas City, and all the flights are are booked to Dallas. It seems like so there's going to be good travel for this Cotton Bowl, and um, I guess we're starting there. I didn't mean to derail a, hijack our podcast here, but I mean to me, man, this is exactly. I think we talked about it the last time I was on with you. This was exactly the kind of bowl situation Mizzou should have wanted. It's a big Big Ten brand. It's in Dallas, where there's a ton of alums, and it's a, a team, a Missouri team that's fired up to be there against an Ohio State team that I don't know are they are they going to be interested or not? Yeah, well, I, I think again we 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 talked through our bowl preferences beforehand, and I think we we both had the Cotton Bowl pretty high up there, and and I don't think at least I hadn't given too much thought to Ohio State as a potential opponent for some reason. I think I just kind of maybe written them off to the Orange Bowl, but this seems like. Again, you, it seems like the best case scenario of it's been a good year for Mizzou football, obviously, best year in a decade. And now you get to test that against a college football powerhouse, Ohio State, that only lost one game this year to Michigan. And, you know, who actually will suit up for the Buckeyes? We can talk about that and just what that will mean for the game. But it, I think it just will be undeniably cool to see Mizzou run out onto that field and the other team be wearing the red jerseys and those silver helmets like that's that's a moment that this team deserves they frankly they deserve to go up against Ohio State starters too and just try themselves against some of the the best in college football and best in the Big Ten but it's one of those games that means something there I think I'd be I'd be surprised if it wasn't a solidly majority Mizzou crowd there just with the alumni base and how much buzz there's with this team it's easy to get to 
you can get out of the Midwest and, and go down to Dallas. It's convenient timing that you could be back up for New Year's too if you insist on being in the state of Missouri to uh, to ring in 2024. It really just everything about it strikes me as ideal. It's drivable too. If if people can't get flights out of Kansas City, go straight down I-35, just follow the corridor. I, I, there's a, a lot of upside here. I understand people don't like the Cotton Bowl because Mizzou has been there in recent history. Okay, whatever. It's a it's a big game as far as I'm concerned. You know, that's you you don't hear you don't hear Alabama fans complaining about being in the college football playoff again because they've been there before. <laughs> so I think this is this is what winning football means. And and that's just that's just par for the course. Yeah, this is a bigger bowl game since Missouri last played in it too, because it's been kind of anointed as one of those four team along with the college football playoff, the four team the the New Year's six guaranteed bowls. And I think that makes it a little more prestigious um since it uh since Missouri last played in it. Like, I think Missouri's got a good chance to win this game. Some of their best players are going to be playing highly motivated. Cody Schrader is going to be trying to make one last uh, case for, for NFL scouts. Brady cook is back next year. Luther burden back next year could be kind of the unofficial start to the Luther burden Heisman hype. If he views it that way. And, you know, Ohio State has had some opt-outs. It's got some guys in the transfer portal. But you got to remember those guys who are second up at Ohio State are pretty good, too. Sometimes the guys are in the portal, guys are leaving it because there's players about to push them out next season. So in some ways, it's kind of a showcase for for the next guys coming up. There's always two times. that There doesn't always have to be two types of teams in the same bowl game, but there are two types of teams in bowl games. One type of team is excited to be there, very much looking to put an exclamation point on in this season, and the other is using it as a way to kind of get ahead on the offseason. I think Ohio State is the latter. I think Mizzou is still very much the former, but it doesn't mean they can't have things that help them for next season. This is about finishing the season strong for them, and I think they've got the right guys participating who will carry that message. And I think that I think that does give them the advantage it's also compelling to me. Ohio State is terrible against SEC teams. I, I think Missouri would would have played in the in the Big Ten championship game if it had been in Iowa's division of the big of the Big Ten. So it's a chance for some SEC bragging rights. Then there's another little element here, Eli, we should touch on. Missouri and Ohio State are really intertwined in recruiting the elite high school talent out of St. Louis. And St. Louis has produced and continues to produce great high school football players all across the country. I just wrote a column about it for the other day's paper. And very uniquely this year, a lot of it is here in Missouri. There's a great player at, at Illinois. There's some guys spread across the country, but a lot of these guys are starring for the Tigers. But still going back to Ezekiel Elliott, um, you know, Cameron Babb, um, Jeremiah McClellan, who's committed to Ohio State now, there's been big time playmaking players offensively have come out of St. Louis and gone to Ohio state that Missouri would have loved to have. And I don't know if winning this game matters for any of any, any of these players, but for Missouri, for Eli Drinkwitz, he's got to be thinking, man, it would be great to get a tangible win against Ohio state that I can use on the recruiting trail in a talent rich area like St. Louis. So I hadn't heard that storyline mentioned. And I do think there's some juice to that. No, I think there isn't. And you even look at a guy like Mookie Cooper, who's on the Mizzou roster now, he spent a year at Ohio State. That's where he committed out of high school, spent a year there, redshirted, and came back. You know, I think there's there's a lot of storylines with all of that. And and that's also – that's a broader thing with with Ohio State in the Midwest. I remember um, well, a, a lot of folks who, who watched the Rams will, will know the name of, of James Laurinaitis, who – he was from the part of Minnesota where I'm from. 
he got scooped up by Ohio State. They recruited him out from underneath the Gophers. He went there and obviously went on to the NFL. That this is this is what Ohio State does. And so there's there's maybe a little edge to it from a recruiting standpoint here. And obviously this game being played in Texas matters for recruits too to just have a footprint and be playing in a big time game there because that's a talent base that Mizzou has traditionally done pretty well. And of course, everybody goes to Texas to recruit for for obvious reasons. Uh, but even a guy like Ennis Rakestraw, you know, this is a, a homecoming for him. He's been tweeting about that, telling some of the the guys he knows from the high school circuit around there to, hey, tune in for this game. Check out Mizzou coming down here. It it, it matters for all of that. It's a big time game. But it's also what I think is also particularly just exciting for this Mizzou team is to see it as a combination of a reward for the seniors and the guys who stuck around of the Darius Robinsons and Javon Fosters and, and then Chad Bailey won't play, but, but guys like that who've been with this team since even before Drinkwitz and decided to stick around through a new coach, through all those six win seasons through no knock on it, but you know, through the armed forces bowl, through the Gasparilla bowl, through all of that and still be here. It's those guys combined with the likes of Brady Cook and Luther Burden, who you're looking at just queuing up some monster seasons next year and putting putting Luther on Heisman watch and all of that. Uh, it's just it's a fun going to be kind of a fun mixture to see some of those guys get rewards and and one more shot at putting stuff on tape for NFL scouts and also guys who are who are teeing up a really good next season. And a chance to have some more sizzle in the transfer portal too. I mean, whatever you can do to keep refreshing your name and but but I don't know that that Eli Drinkwitz needs the the uh, bowl game to make transfer portal sizzle credit to Eli, man. He goes out and says, Hey, these are the positions that Mizzou's looking to add. And all of a sudden he's got two of the top players at those positions on his team. I mean, he is capitalizing on this momentum now saying there's no need to wait. What do you make of these guys that he's added, man? I mean, to me, we knew that they need to go get a running back. They go get a very experienced veteran running back who had a very strong season for a, for an impressive smaller team last year but a guy who knows a lot about winning can take a licking and keep on ticking kind of built in that same low to the ground strong mold that's really benefited Mizzou oh by the way speaking of St. Louis one of the better players to come out of the St. Louis area in a little bit uh, defensive back from from Clemson and Toriano Pride I mean these are these guys are are players and they've got it they had to have been if not the top players at their positions in the portal among the, the top handful of them no they are and that's what's been so striking about just you know, the portal's really only been officially open for a week and change at this point, and yet you already can tell the theme with Mizzou seems to be like the transfer portal is the menu, and Eli Drinkwitz is just ordering off of it. That he says, "This is what I want," and and you know, and then give it give it a, a little bit, and all of a sudden it comes out to him on a silver platter. Like it really seems like that's how it's working for him. That you have a guy like Toriano Pride who he he goes in and he says you know, he, he goes on the the two four seven sports radio show and says. Hey, yeah, we're we're gonna be looking for a corner or two in the portal because we're replacing Ennis Rakestraw and, and Chris Abrams Drain, who will we'll both likely be going to the NFL. And he says, you know, we're we're going for a corner. You know, we have we have one in mind and kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge on the show. And sure enough, there's Toriano Pride who who played with Luther Burden at East St. Louis, uh, who's entered the portal with a no contact tag. He enters the portal, he knows where he's going before he even enters the portal. Sure enough, boom. He's coming coming back to Missouri, going to Mizzou. You look at a guy like Marcus Carroll, the running back you talked about there. He's he could be a, a really, really fantastic ad. He he's only he doesn't have a ton of miles on him. He's got one year left, but doesn't have a ton of miles on him because this was his first year as the one and only running back, one and only starter in that backfield. He put up now I should have the numbers in front of me, but I think it was 1,350 rushing yards plus another 250 or so receiving yards, 1,500 total yards 
is is I good at any like level. Thirteen of football. touchdowns, thirteen in the 13. fourteen touchdowns. Yeah, it, it really was. It, you know, he he put up a, a Cody Schrader esque stat line. And and now again, not not saying he's the next Cody Schrader. You can just find those guys in the portal. But Cody Schrader's a testament to if you find guys who can put up numbers at lower levels, sometimes they're just talented, tough dudes who can do that at any level. So I think it makes a lot of sense to bring in someone who's experienced to jump up. I, I still think that Jamal Roberts, who we've talked about a few times now, will be in the mix next year. Some of these younger guys on the roster will still be in the mix for carries. You just need some of that experience to be ahead of them still because you don't want to go into this with a with a redshirt freshman as your top running back. I think that makes a lot of sense. The name I'm watching, uh, we're, we're recording on, on Tuesday, so there there may even, frankly, be news on this front before this reaches all of y'all's ears. But Caden Green, uh, an offensive lineman out of uh, out of Lee Summit, Lee Summit North High School, uh, he, he was at Oklahoma for a year. He started... I want to say five or six games for the Sooners as a true freshman started, I think at left guard, he entered the portal today, which one is a, a big loss for the Sooners to all of a sudden be losing a young starting offensive lineman. That's, that's not a, a good sign or, or certainly a loss you want to take, but already uh, I just, I keep seeing all these tweets from, from the Mizzou football players today saying, come home. He, uh, he played with Armand Membu, the starting right tackle. They played together in Lee summit. Uh, Williams Winery, who is incoming this, uh, this, He'll be a, a freshman for next season. Same high school. There's a lot of familiarity here with Caden Green, and this this feels like the sort of commitment that, you know, weirdly it's it's all right there for Drinkwitz, and so it just if if he committed, if, if we got the notification right now that he committed, just wouldn't be surprised at all. And and that's partly the landscape of college football now that this happens just boom like that, and that the season isn't even over and it's already the off season. But uh, that's that's just how it how it goes for this program at this point. It feels like. There's a gravitational pull toward winning, and if guys have reasons to look around, it's easy to kind of get sucked into an orbit of a team that is coming off of its best season in a decade plus, and it's getting ready to go to to play in the Cotton Bowl. And especially when you got teammates, former teammates, who are saying, "Yeah, come, come join us. We've got needs at your position." I like the way that Drinkwitz hits the portal. I've advocated in the past for there'd be like a plus minus for coaches in the transfer portal. We use plus minus in basketball. Like when you're on the court are more points scored than are given up. Are you a plus player or a minus player? I think there are plus and minus coaches in the transfer portal. Everybody's going to lose guys in the portal. You want to lose some players. You want the guys who can't play for your team to cycle out so you can replace their scholarships with guys who can help you losing. If you're not losing players to the portal, then something's wrong but you want to gain more than you lose. And I think Drinkwitz, especially as he's gotten established, has been gaining more than he's losing. Um, that's not a knock on on Dominic Lovett, who didn't have quite the year I'm sure he probably hoped to at Georgia, but is continuing to prove he's going to be an NFL player. It's not a knock on Makai Wingo, who got hurt at LSU this year after a really good start. Missouri has lost good players, but what they're adding in, the Theo Weeses of the world, you look at some of these transfers. Now you look at Tyron Hopper and what he was able to do at linebacker. You mentioned Cody Schrader. They've got kind of two things going. They've got guys who are coming from like the blue chip, blue blood programs that maybe want a little more opportunity or want to be a little bit bigger of a star. You're seeing guys from Clemson, like Toriana Pride. You're seeing potentially a guy from Oklahoma. Um, and then you've got these other guys who want to prove they can do it on the big stage, who have that chip. I mean, this is like the running back from Georgia Southern. What I like about him is he's coming from a winning program. This this team's played in multiple bowl games during his time there. They've only had one losing season. He knows what it takes to be a part of a winning team. And now he just gets to try to do that on the SEC level. So 
it seems like they really found the sweet spot of taking the guys who are at the tip top of teams of college football that maybe want a little bit more expanded of a role that they can offer, which are tend to bode well in terms of talent and coming from programs that know how to function at a high level. And then, and then a good mix of the bounce up guys, the transfer up guys that are probably better players have become over the course of their time at a smaller program, better players in their conference typically has, and they're looking to take that next step. And, it just seems like they got a good blend of, of, of the transfer portal mix and it is totally a momentum thing. And your best recruiters oftentimes are the players that are trying to get these guys to, to come play with them. And when you look at some of the names that he's pulled from late, lately, some of the guys that have jumped from programs that you'd think maybe might not have players you want to jump to Mizzou. I, I think that's really been impressive. He's figured out how to work the transfer portal. And, and that's not something that he came to Mizzou knowing how to do because nobody did. The portal has changed so much. And the transfer game has changed so much since Eli Drinkwood stepped foot on campus. I think he's really figured that out. And I think he's really figured NIL out too. I think he has. And it's, it's interesting to see just his recruiting and portal philosophy evolving throughout his tenure here that, and, and he's even said this, that they're, they're going into all of this being choosy. And now that's, that's obviously a luxury and something that winning games allows you to do. You can be choosier when you have more players who want to go there and you have less guys departing or fewer guys departing. But it, it's what he seems to be doing with his high school recruiting too, that instead of trying to go out and just kind of blanket coverage, which you have to do to an extent, you need bodies, you need these guys coming in. He's, he's not going for the top ranked class in terms of average number of stars or anything like that, because that's, that's a tough thing to do in Missouri. That just, that's what it is in, in 10 years. Maybe that changes, but right now that's a, a hard thing to do. Instead, he's really trying hard and going out and getting guys like Winery, who's just an absolute top end, super high ceiling prospect who can come in. You pair, Guys like that with guys who are coming in for their fourth or fifth year of college football who are known quantities by that point. And, and so I, I think that's that's maybe that's a direction that we, we start to see more college coaches go. I don't know. It seems like a better use of just time and resources because so many of these kids who come in as three or four stars, they stick around for a year or two. And then all of a sudden here comes another transfer who's proven something that they haven't. And then they go play elsewhere. That's what's been playing out in the transfer portal this off season already for Missouri. It, it just, it seems like he's, he's getting somewhere recruiting wise um, on the recruiting front though. We just, uh, we just had news come in that Aaron Rowe, who's a, a class of 2025 point guard. He's playing for, for father Tolton uh, here in Columbia. He just, uh, just verbally committed to play basketball for the university of Missouri Hill. Uh, he's, he's a junior in high school now so it's 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 a little ways out but but you know talking about good recruiters uh, Dennis Dennis Gates is is getting it done early and getting in early with a prospect like that he's uh, he's rated very well he's rated by 247 sports as a top 20 player in the nation and is already signed with Mizzou I guess I shouldn't say signed he can't sign anything for for almost a year but has said that he will one day like to sign something to play at Mizzou um Ben, it, it's it's gonna be a, a good freshman class incoming for Mizzou basketball just you know a rough game at Kansas. What's your stock? Does that game even mean anything in the big picture anymore? Does this losing to Kansas mean something like that? Cause I've, I've, you know, you, I've seen the, the rivalry is not what it once was. Right. And so obviously there's, there's no love lost between Mizzou and Kansas and, and being there in the fog, being there in, in Allen Fieldhouse, you can tell it was, it was very obvious, but I, I wonder if that actually sets Mizzou back at all in any sort of, big picture sense being 0-3 in this rebooted version of the border war. Well, 
Yeah, Mizzou versus Kansas always means something. Um, this, this, these are two programs that sold out an exhibition game for charity, um, and, <laughs> and 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 then partly jumped the the rivalry to coming back in a non conference setting. I think there's an understanding, um, and Bill Self even acknowledged this, praising Dennis Gates that Missouri is not where it's going to be under Dennis Gates. Um, that doesn't mean Kansas doesn't enjoy beating up on the Tigers, just like it would be vice versa. I think Bill Self had the great line about, you know, the drinks are are sweeter and the food tastes better after beating Mizzou. And and it's always ironic when he says that, when you often hear from Kansas, the game doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's clearly it does. So I, I don't think Missouri can have it both ways where it says it doesn't matter as much now because you're on the losing end of it. Um, but I, I do think there's something encouraging to be taken that this was the most competitive game. And Kansas is a really, really good team. I mean, I've watched Kansas play multiple times this season. They've beaten teams that are going to play probably in the final four in the elite eight. Um, they're, they're very good this year. They look like a legitimate national championship contender. I didn't expect Mizzou to win. I thought they'd lose by 15 plus points. I was encouraged by watching this team, how they responded to the environment. They looked like they were mentally into the game. They gave up a run that cost them the game. They had a sequence, a dunk, a dunk that was blocked from behind that turned into points. Of, I mean, you can't have sequences like that during a run like that and and win at Kansas ever, period. Other than that, I, I think they did a good job of not just letting the game get away from them in the second half. They they showed some moxie. It stirred encouragement, I think, for the Bragging Rights game here in St. Louis against Illinois. I viewed it more as kind of a five-game sample size since they had that horrid game against Jackson State. And I'm wondering if maybe that Jackson State loss, which there's no, there's nothing good to say about it, um, was maybe a little bit similar to the wake-up call they had last season when they got blitzed by Kansas in terms of, I think it embarrassed them. And I think it made them do a little bit of a gut check. And and I think that's good. I think they've shown collectively since then that they're a little more with it now. I'm not convinced they're a tournament team, um, but they're all the easy games are now gone. So we're going to find out sooner than later. They've looked more competitive as as the season's gone along. They looked like they've gelled a little bit. It's disappointing they're going to miss Caleb Grill for a while, but I got to tell you, I think there might have been one too many cooks in the kitchen at times for this team. And, and I think maybe this will allow them to perhaps find a little bit better version of themselves for a period of time. Gates won't freeze him out. If he comes back from injury, he'll work him back in. And he does a good job of not letting guys rot on his roster. But to me, they, they look a little, they look a little more, a little more in sync a little bit with, with some of the, some of the lineups that they've had lately. And and I think they showed well against Kansas. I, maybe my expectations were too low, but I was, I was impressed by how they competed there. I think if they play like that, against some of some of these other teams they've got coming up, they're going to win some games. Well, I think you're, you're right there. And, and I think this Kansas game also just, it, it was, it was closer than, than I also expected it to be. And, and when you were charting out predictions for the season, I think that game was always going down as a loss. So just showing any sign of life in that, I think is, is a good thing for this team. But one of the things that actually seemed the most striking about that was actually just how much it seemed like this team needed to get a good hostile environment on the road. That's no knock on Minnesota. That's no knock on Pittsburgh. But the, neither of those places are anything like what Allen Fieldhouse is. And when they they start out that game, they're they're playing all sorts of you know anti-Missouri propaganda on the Jumbotron. The fans are going crazy. It's just it's packed in there. And that, that's about as tough an environment as I think you play in 
really in basketball at all because you don't see NBA arenas get loud like that. Like that just that doesn't happen in the NBA. And so for most of the players on this roster, I guess all of them, because Caleb Brown was the only player on the roster who has played a game at Kansas before. So for all of them, that's their first time experiencing this. Even if they were on the team last year and played in that home game at Mizzou Arena, that's a totally new environment, a totally new sensation to go out and try to do that. And they did that well. They took the crowd out of the game in that first half. That's incredibly impressive and something that's going to bode well later on down the stretch this season when you're playing some of these SEC road games that can get loud. You'll you'll get some good crowds there. They won't be as big as Kansas, and they can handle that moment. I think also just being in that game and it being close, that puts more pressure and more scrutiny on some of these decisions. So you, you, Ben, you brought up the the Anthony Robinson dunk that, that got blocked from behind, and then it turns into an and one on the other end. Um, I'd, I'd written about that for a story in Tuesday's paper because it's, it's one of those plays that, I'm sure it will stick out in Ant's mind for for many years of of that was a moment of growing up of realizing yep in a game like this I cannot make a play like that and and those sort of things just have to happen for these players and I think they I think they have to happen for even some of the older players of even Connor Vanover there were a couple when he's going up against Hunter Dickinson in the post you start to realize like oh yeah, there are some things that I just can't do when I'm going up against one of the top two centers in college basketball. Now, Mizzou's never going to have to face a player like Hunter Dickinson for the rest of this year, and that's that's a, a good thing for for this team given who they have in the paint a lot of the time and just how they how they play with the five. But those moments matter, and, and that, that would, I think, only help going down the road with this team, whether they're a tournament team or not. I think that bodes well, the response there, and and those runs like that, those are going to happen. Kansas is prone to doing stuff like that. And and it just happened to pair with a little bit of an implosion from Mizzou. That just seems like a case of bad time. And they stuck around in that second half, which actually might have been even more impressive because I was sitting there watching the game. You know, I, there were a lot of moments where I just had written Mizzou off and, and was ready to sit there and, you know, put the top of my story of Mizzou lost to the Jayhawks by XXXX and just fill it in later. And they kept just over and over bringing it back to eight points which is just enough that you're, you're one yes. little run away. Sean yeah. East can pop off an 8-0 run by himself. Really, you know, it seems like, I don't know if it actually happened this game. It seems like it happens once a game or so, that they were just, you know, one of those lights out runs away from getting back in it, uh, which again, I think when those of you who listened last week when, when Matt Harris was on here, uh, he and I had both sort of said that that was, that would have been a good result for Mizzou if going down the stretch in the second half, if they could be a run away from winning this game, that that would be a heck of a result. And that's what played out. So I think there's, there's a lot of satisfaction with that in the process. Yeah. I feel, I, f- I feel like that's a, that's a decent and fair way of looking at it. I think that goes away for the Bragging rights game and, and they got a real trap game scenario in Seton hall before, before they play Illinois here in St. Louis. But the Bragging Rights is a little different in terms of, for whatever reason, Missouri has been up for this game mentally more than Illinois, it seems like, in recent seasons. And Brad Underwood has talked about this. It frustrates the heck out of him because this game means a lot to him, and he has a, seems to have a hard time conveying that to his players sometime. Um, we, we've, seen, uh, we've seen teams, oftentimes, Missouri go out and beat Illinois in the Bragging Rights game, and then at the end of the season, Missouri would have rather traded seasons with Illinois. Um, so I, I do think, I think, I think, the bragging rights game is very much go win the game. It's not go keep it close. It's not feel good if you are in it at the final media timeout. It's it's go win the game. And and it, it really interested in how it parallels to last season where I felt like last season it was such a bad non-conference schedule for Mizzou. They were undefeated, but nobody really trusted them. And then they came and won the bragging rights game. And everybody went, oh, okay, this team 
this team has juice and they're in a different spot this year. They played a tougher non-conference schedule, but I feel like a win in the bragging rights game again could have that similar reaction. Um, in some ways it may, I don't think, you, <laughs> unfortunately for them, the Jackson state loss is unforgettable, but, but it could, it could come as close to you as he can to kind of wiping it clean entering, entering conference play. So that, that to me is going to be a pretty big basketball game, um, but you can't, you can't, overlook Seton Hall it's a good team and part of the reason this non-conference schedule has been so tough for the Tigers and and I think Seton Hall is is interesting because it's a really good chance for Gates to start rolling out what he wants to roll out in SEC play as far as the rotation goes it, it keeps slimming down which is obviously what has to be happening as this this non-conference slate plays out but getting he had he had five guys over 20 minutes against Kansas Connor Vanover was was just past that at 18 and then nobody else had more than 11. So, so there's starting to be a tier there, but working out who's going to fill in for Caleb grill, you know, Tamar Bates obviously fills the void in the starting lineup is John Tanjay available. We, we don't know that uh, of what's going to actually end up happening with him. So what's the fill in situation going to be there is, is it going to be Kurt Lewis getting a few minutes a game? He, he got nine minutes against Kansas, which I feel like is sort of the lower end of what a player can receive and actually have a chance to impact the game. You have, when you have guys like Mabor Majak who played two minutes, you have Jesus Carlo Martin who played three minutes. Uh, Jordan Butler played three minutes. There's just, even you know, even the best college basketball players can't do much in that amount of time. That's that's you know maybe max five or six trips up and down the floor on, on the higher end. So figuring out if it's going to be eight or nine guys who are actually going to get significant workloads, who that's going to be, what sort of lineup combinations he wants. This is this is the time of year where that needs to start coming together because this team with this the way the non conference slate was built in, you know it was it was largely okay. Yeah, a loss to Kansas, that's fine. Illinois is pretty good, so you know a loss to them in the big picture is is probably fine. Obviously, you, you don't enjoy losing to two rivalry games to the, the teams on the other sides of you, but those are those are maybe justifiable. And then maybe you can justify another loss in there just somewhere with with the likes of Seton Hall, Wichita State, etc. The problem is that extra loss was blown in that Jackson State game. The margin for error is now gone, and that Mizzou actually has to make up for that loss because that's a quad four loss that does not look good for any hopes of playing meaningful basketball come this time three months from now in March or four, three months, four months. I can't do the math of, of how far March well, is, you, but you've got to make, you got to have as a win that's as dramatic as that loss was bad. And that's, no, that's, that's, that's true. That's the reality. You got to wipe it. You got to wipe it off your slate somehow. You do. And, and that's the beating Illinois, it, especially if it was a solid win over Illinois. Line I are ranked, I think 16 or 18 in the country right now. That would go a long way towards helping do that. Now, the other nice thing, I was doing the math today. When we look at Joe Leonardi's latest bracketology at ESPN, he has nine SEC teams making the tournament, which is a lot. <laughs> that's that's a lot. There's a lot Eli, of Eli, 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 Eli. I cannot talk bracketology before we play conference games, brother. We cannot do this. We got to We got to We got. We got to wait on that. We got to wait okay. on that. Okay. Because well, I'll, I'll, I'll I love say- I love Leonardi, man. He's the best in the world at what he does, but. He's a, he's in his basement throwing darts right now. Okay. We don't, we don't know anything about the bracket right now. Now let's see, let's see what happens. Let's see what, let's take stock of things once they start conference play. And uh, so then you, we can maybe start to mention the bracketology on the podcast. You're, you're saying you don't think the Maui Invitational actually means all that much. Is that, is that what you're saying right now? <laughs> I'm saying, I, I struggle saying, to believe this. <laughs> I'm saying Lunardi is, is laughing at, at his own bracketology right now. 
Okay. But, All right. The SEC well, is good. I, I will. I will. I didn't mean to cut you off. The the SEC is good, and it will lift. It will lift teams within it up, and that's a new. That's a, still not a new thing anymore. But it's a relatively new thing to this conference, and it's a credit to the league for for saying we got to stop hurting ourselves. I mean, I cover SLU, and not that SLU is going to be in the bracket discussion this year. They're terrible, but the A10 has been hurting itself by by scheduling so poorly and then you get to conference play and it makes things worse. And that's how you get to be a one bit league. And the sec for years was underperforming in basketball and finally got around to hiring better coaches, demanding better scheduling. And now kind of, it's got that iron sharpens iron thing going where you get to conference play and you're being helped. So, but you, but you gotta get, you gotta get some, they make a little bit of noise outside of, outside of conference play, but you, you can pretty much be a square bubble team in the sec. If you're 500, um, in conference play. And, and a lot of conferences would love to have something like that, but unfortunately their members don't do enough to schedule it. That's true. That's true. All right, Ben, well, I think it's time we, uh, we close this out with the quick three segment after that, okay. before you, before you Sorry. shut down any of the other things <laughs> I had prepared for this podcast here, uh, including sec teams in the, in the tournament, we're just going to, just going to, I'm just going to cut my losses and, and get out of here. Right. Put in right. the reserves. Thought, are you going to ask me for win totals for 2026 football season? Oh uh, no! I was I was actually just going to ask you uh, how many SEC teams you saw in the tournament, but I, I understand that one <laughs> that was off the table. Well, I'm, I'm, thinking, the I'm table. thinking I'm thinking nine. <laughs> now now who's throwing darts in whose basement, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no the the real the real first one actually has to do with SLU because SLU happened to draw a certain NBA legend named Jason Tatum out to the game, and so my question for you is if SLU, based on how they're playing, can draw Jason Tatum to a game. Who should Mizzou be able to get out sitting courtside at one of its games this season? Oh, I'm I'm always going to root for uh, Anthony Peeler appearances. Now, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with AP, but uh, one of the one of the one of my favorite all time Mizzou basketball players would rather see Anthony Peeler in the house. No offense to Michael Porter Jr., would rather see Anthony Peeler in the house over over MPJ just about any time um here's a, no here's but he'll come around i mean he'll he'll be around here's another one uh, mizzou needs nil money always looking for ways to expand nil when's the last time stan Kroenke sat courtside for a mizzou basketball game so if, if you want to re- reignite a, a big donor maybe they could get him to skip one of his arsenal games or los angeles rams games or colorado games now he'd probably get booed by the st louis students once they realized who he was but uh that would be that would be one because i, I think it's probably pretty unlikely no, that's true. That's true, and uh, it's it's not like his uh, his his folks over in England with Arsenal are, are doing too much these days. I say uh, as a happy Aston Villa fan, those of you who like soccer will appreciate that. Those of you who don't will will not enjoy that. Uh, an, another question for you, just looking ahead to, to next year, Luther Burden and this Heisman campaign this year. You were one of the the voters who who enjoyed putting Cody Schrader on your ballot. I think this is a yes or no. Do you think you'll be putting Luther Burden on your ballot? come roughly this time next year i could see myself putting him up there i, I think he's got a chance to really kickstart that in the cotton bowl i was proud to put cody third i, I had um who did i have yeah i had uh oh my god blanking blanking Jaden daniels first Penix second cody schrader third a lot of folks had cody um in there he glad to see him get in the top 10 I felt like he was the best running back that i watched this year and i uh, felt like he was deserving having been the best leading rusher in the sec so luther's got a chance he was kind of making some early early noise this season i think missouri can promote him a little bit more entering next season i think they should you got harrison jr was a finalist this year he's going to be gone 
um, yeah, I think there's a really good chance Luther could be a finalist next year. And then of these three road games that Mizzou football is supposed to play in 2024, the SEC schedule will come out on uh, on Wednesday night in 2024. Which road game are you most excited for? Are you excited for at Alabama, at AM, or at UMass? <laughs> um I'll say I'll say at A and M because I think I think it's probably the most likely game that Mizzou can win that would move the needle. No offense to the uh, no offense to the Minutemen. They're still the Minutemen, right? I I have I have no idea. I, all I know is I saw a picture of their stadium and that it was seventeen thousand capacity. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm excited. I I I hope that game sticks around because something about watching an SEC team play in that environment just seems just seems fun for me. The last time I was in Alabama, I was covering a Tennessee-Alabama game, and I made the mistake of trying to get into the stadium at the same time the football team was walking in for warm-ups, and I stopped in front of this nice little old lady um, who was preparing to watch her Crimson Tide go into the stadium. I said, excuse me, I'm just trying to get through, and she told me very directly, you cannot stand there because I was blocking her view to uh, the football team, which tells you a little bit about uh, how seriously folks in Alabama take uh, take their team. Oh, I'm just, I'm just ready you'll, for you'll that. You'll enjoy that trip. And I'm, I'm sure it'll be good. And I'm excited for the AM one too. I hear they hand out flyers in the press box warning you that uh, the stadium it will sways. sway. It yeah, does. It, it will sway. It's, so that's I'm, true. I'm ready to, to pop my dream. I mean, sit back and <laughs> enjoy the show there. But, all right. Good well, stuff, then, man. Thanks, for, thanks for taking the time. For all you of bet. you listening uh, at home in your cars, mowing the lawn, if you live somewhere where you're still mowing the lawn this time of year, <laughs> we do appreciate you tuning in. Uh, be sure to, to do all the all the things that we always ask you to do with the podcast, like rate, review, subscribe, notifications on. Um, I don't even actually know what we should be asking anymore in, in today's day and age people to do, but we do appreciate it when you do it. So thanks for tuning in, y'all. We'll be back next week with more Mizzou football, basketball, etc. talk on the Eye on the Tigers podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.